podcast. Today, my guest is Shivani Gurwara, an empowerment coach, cognitive behavior therapy practitioner, and a positive psychology coach. Prior to this, she has worked as a consumer insights professional. Hi, Shivani. Welcome to my show. Hi, Vedant, and thank you for having me on your show. It's brilliant to be talking to you today. So, Shivani, Before we talk about what you do now, I'm curious to know what a consumer insight professional does. So this was way back in 1997 when I started my career as a consumer insights professional. Uh, Typically, you know, I specialize in the area of market research from Mudra Institute of Communications and went into the area where you seek feedback from consumers on products, advertisements, services, anything. Yeah. So, so the market research companies are known to work with other companies and other manufacturing companies or product companies to help them understand what the consumer feels about the product. And that's what we do. So earlier, way back in those days, most of the data that was collected was either by telephone or by door-to-door going and filling up a questionnaire. Some of the qualitative data was collected by having, you know, group interviews, which are called focus groups. Now, however, a lot of stuff has changed. Uh, so I hear, but I've left the industry some time back. But now most of the data is collected via forms, Google forms or surveys that are created. And also from all the chatting that people are doing on social media. So there are, there are people who go in there and there are tools that help them to pick out certain, they use keywords to pick out certain information that is being discussed and then they analyze it. It's way more complicated than what I thought. I thought that it was just asking someone what they think and yeah. then improving it, that's it. But but that is at the at the very base of it, that is exactly what it is. Just the ways of asking people is is different. And also it's not about asking one person, right? So if you talk to one person and get their feedback, you can really do that and go in the depth to understand. But but marketeers or people who are manufacturing these brands and products, they want to appeal to a larger audience, right? more people. They want more people to buy their products. So they have to make sure that they take that feedback, not just from one or two or 10 people, but it's multiple, you know, hundreds of people, sometimes thousands, depending on, you know, how many areas they are, they are uh, present in. Then also they have to ensure that they take the feedback from different kinds of people, you know, whether you belong to this community or this state or this country. And therefore, you know, one country might feel something about a product, whereas a different group of people may feel something else. So all that stuff builds on to that basic thing, which is asking people, how do you feel about the product? What can we change? You know, and and things like that. Do companies see consumer insights before launching a product? 
after launching or both like sometimes before or sometimes after okay. um so see consume you know in marketing we say sometimes that consumer is king yeah and and we say that because what the consumer thinks about a service a hotel a product um is is one of the most important things that is used as input for the marketer mm-hmm. to modify or change uh, either the service or the product and when i say service i mean like if it's a hotel chain right they would want to know if if the consumers are happy with the service are the people who are looking after them the front desk people or the servers in the restaurant are they being polite are they being respectful are they being responsive and you know doing their work fast lots of lots of various parameters on which the feedback is collected but coming back to your question the feedback is not only sought at pre-launch and post-launch stage the feedback is is sought at every stage so right from the beginning there is something called uh, r&d research yeah r&d research and development so even when you're thinking of what product should i launch in the market yeah so a company may be let's say for example in the foods industry and they want to launch something new now how do they decide what should they launch should they launch a new kind of atta should they launch um, an oil should they launch new breakfast uh, options for the for the consumer what's the consumer looking for that's missing in the market today so you know they start with researching research and consumer feedback starts even at that stage right then it gets on into uh, getting feedback so they they create a product based on some kind of a analysis of what the consumer is looking for and what is not available in the market uh, once they develop a let's say so called prototype they then check it out in a select group of people you know do they like it what what do they need to change is it good and it all depends so the feedback is thought not only at a overall level it's thought at a very minute level so if we are talking about food it would be so, you know they would talk about what's the taste is it soft what's the texture is it too sweet you know is it too salty all sorts of things if if the if they're looking for uh or they're creating a product or something for in terms of a service then they will use different parameters for asking the questions right that that's what a questionnaire is supposed to do <clears throat> a questionnaire is a tool that we use to collect specific data depending on the industry that the you know that the marketer is in and then from the you know developing that prototype getting feedback creating the final product and it's not only the product that people look for feedback on they look for feedback on packaging colors logo uh, so whole host of advertisements so in terms of consumer insight it's something that literally carries on from the initial stages of when somebody is thinking of you know putting something out there in the market till not just the post launch because once they've launched there's advertising once the advertising happens the advertising is tracked on a continuous basis to see when people are getting bored of the ad what messages are people taking out from this ad are they being able you know is the 
Is the brand saying the right things that is making people buy? And then, and then there's another ad, right? And it, also consumer insight and feedback is sought to understand what people think about competitive ads or competitive brands. So it's literally a continuous process that goes, you know, hand in hand and side by side throughout what is called the product cycle. Over here in the train stations, at some of the bathrooms, I see these these screens saying, how was your experience at the bathroom? Good, not good, and things like that. Are those also consumer insights? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's consumer feedback. So insights would come from looking at the numbers. So there's not one person, you know, pressing that, right? There are lots and lots of people giving that input. That's consumer feedback. And all of the consumer feedback is taken in and analyzed, right? So so when, let me give you an example. Well, when we are taking in consumer feedback, we don't just ask them, you know, how their experience was, good, bad, ugly, right? We ask them a lot of other questions. So we know what their age is, what their gender is, uh, where which country they are from, or what ethnic group they belong to, uh, and other stuff like that. Uh, something called socioeconomic status, SEC. So we have all that other background data, which is called demographic data. So that data is also used to look at. So now suppose we have 100 people and we've got some information from them. We know, you know, on an average, uh, what do people think about, you know, the, the, the product, let's say. Yeah. So 30 people think it's bad. 40 people think it's ugly and 40 people think it's it's great, right? Now, if you start looking at a separate subgroup of the 100 and see what is their reaction, these 40 people who said good feedback, who are they, right? How will you find out? Because we also have data about whether they were what age, what gender, what community. So there's a whole lot of mathematical analysis that goes into really taking out the insight from the data. From being a consumer insight professional, what made you choose to become an empowerment coach? Okay, that's a a roundabout, convoluted kind of journey. But um, in a a snapshot, Let me say this, that I was always interested in psychology, human behavior. And in a way, that's the reason why I went into consumer insights, because that allowed me to, you know, uh, understand how people think about not generally life, but brands. Yes. And um, uh, however, that was definitely not something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. At a certain time, I took a break from the corporate world and I became a freelancer. And that was the time I took off and I had flexibility in terms of how much I wanted to work and how much time I wanted to spend on other things. And while now it seems a very clear-cut kind of, you know, step-by-step thing that I'm telling you, it wasn't really that clear to me at that time. I was not so clear that this is what I will do next. So I did spend some years just freelancing and exploring what I finally would like to do. In fact, when I was looking for what I want to do next, 
it wasn't even clear to me that that would, that would be my final destination or this is definitely what I want to do. It was just like, okay, what next? Yeah. And, and somehow I think at that time, uh, my initial love for psychology came in. So I spent a fair amount of time studying psychology on my own, did a lot of online courses, got certified in cognitive behavior therapy and stuff. And then when I wanted to practice psychology, what happened was that I realized that there were a whole host of, you know, certifications that uh, and licenses that you had to get, which was really coming in the way of what I wanted to do. And then one day, literally out of the blue, and I think I, I should thank um, the internet and, and, and uh, Google and Google ads, uh, it, it might be invading our privacy at times, but it definitely brings to us certain things that we might need and not be aware of at some point in time. So I think, you know, this coaching just popped up uh, from literally nowhere. I mean, I, I don't know how, and, you know, nobody told me about it, but it was just exploration. And I realized that this is something that I could do, get certified in and be able to coach people in terms of empowerment and be a life coach where, where all the tools and information and knowledge that I had gained in terms of CBT and positive psychology can also be, you know, very, very, very handy, actually. It's very nice that you found something that you like and it helps people. So, Shivani, do you consider this as a job? So, it's not a, okay, sorry, it's not a job right now. I mean, I do work on contract with a few companies. So in a way, I'm now I'm a self-employed professional right now. I work with a company in Singapore and I work with a couple of other companies uh, online and I have clients of my own also. Can you tell me a little bit more about your job as a coach? So coaching is a relatively new field. And while it's been there, so there are different kinds of coaching, okay? There is executive coaching, there is leadership coaching, there is life coaching, there's empowerment coaching, there's nutrition coaching, and then there's a sports coaching also, right? Which is a totally different uh, thing. Uh, but this um, executive coaching and leadership coaching have been around for like 15, 20 years now. But life coaching, empowerment coaching, things like this uh, are relatively new, right? Uh, and and psychologists, counselors, psychiatrists, who are doctors actually, that field has always existed. But I feel that people have a bit of a hesitation uh, going to a counselor. And a counselor is different from a coach also, because a counselor is dealing with, you know, your past experiences and trying, you know, trying to figure that out. Whereas, whereas a coach deals with, Let's help you get unstuck and help you achieve your goals. Can you give my listeners some tips on stress management? Okay, yeah, stress management is definitely one of the key areas that I coach in because unfortunately, a lot of people are stressed today, right? Uh, I'm sure you've also heard about this word stress. You know, I'm very stressed today. I have too much tension and I have anxiety. So a lot of people do come, come you know, to me for, for stress management, Vedant. And um, the one thing that I do want to say before giving you the tips is that if you really want to get rid of 
the, the stress that you are facing, it's not a quick fix. Yeah, it's not a pill you can take, which a lot of people unfortunately end up doing to manage their stress. It's not a, a glass of wine that you can take and feel, okay, now I'm off. Um, and it's definitely not something somebody can tell you and magically like a Harry Potter spell, uh, you know, that, that it'll just go away. So no, I'm not a miracle worker. So if you, you know, if people want tips on stress management, there are loads and loads of articles on Google, right? You can just type in, how do I get rid of my stress? And you'll have uh, lots of articles there. Some of them, you know, even I have written on my blog, quick stress, stress busting tips and stuff like that. And while there are some things that you can do very easily to reduce the feeling of anxiety or stress that you're getting in, the only way to get rid of it completely is to work your way through it, yeah? Which is to understand what is it actually that's causing you stress and how can you go about in your circumstance dealing with it? And, and that takes, takes time. However, quick tips on stress busting would be very, very quickly to understand how to keep your body in check because stress is also a physical response. It's not just mental. It also is a physical response. So, you know, what you can do is you can trick your mind into believing that everything is well. And you can trick your mind by doing deep breathing. See what happens when you're stressed. Your body reacts, right? So, so what happens when you have stress, right? And what happens is that your body, start, your heart starts beating quicker. Your palms sometimes start sweating, your heartbeat is, is fast and, you know, you go numb uh, and stuff like that. Yes. So this is what happens. You're stressed in the head and your body is reacting to that stress. What we do is we can't control directly the mind very quickly. That, that is the process that takes time, right? You have to work on your thoughts, your emotions and stuff. But when we want to manage it quickly, what we do is we work on the body so that the body calms down. That calming down is possible by breathing properly. Yeah. So there are strategies like four, six, eight breathing, belly breathing that can be taught immediately uh, in, a, in the moment that you can do. And once your body calms down, it sends a message to your brain saying, all is well, all is well. Right. And when that message gets to the brain, the stress levels kind of come down a little bit. So that's one quick kind of a tip for stress management. There are loads and loads of other uh, you know, techniques like mindfulness and meditation and eating right and exercise because exercise produces what are called endorphins, which are hormones that help you manage stress in the you know relatively short run. If they want to contact you, how do they do that? Okay, so I am right now in Singapore, but I have my, you know, I have people, uh, and I'm sure your listeners are from across the world. They can go to my site. So my site is very simple, shivanigurvara.com, right? So that's my full name, S-H-I-W-A-N-I-G-U-R-W-A-R-A.com. And there's a contact me 
button, that's probably the best and easiest way for your worldwide listeners to get to. What did you want to be as a child? Ah, interesting. So, um, I don't remember anything that I wanted to be when I was like really young, like in class four, five or six. But I do know that when I got around class eight and nine, the one thing I knew was that I wanted to be financially independent. And the second thing I knew was that I do not want to run a business of my own because I think... um, There'd been some, I'd seen some people in business having a bit of a bad time. And I think that kind of scared the, the 12-year-old or 14-year-old me. And I thought that, you know, I, wa- I will just do my job, be financially independent, and that's it. And I, you know, it was only when I went into class 11 and 12 is when I, you know, experienced, I, I studied psychology for those two years. And I kind of fell in love with it. It was something, and I realized that was something that I uh, I did even before that because I, I used to read a lot of fiction. And uh, I remember reading fiction and literally doing character analysis of, of the characters in the story with my father. You know, why did this person do that? And what was what might be going on in their heads? Or what could they have done differently? I, I used to have these conversations with him and also in, in my own mind when I read fiction. But only when I did come to class 11 and 12 did I realize that, oh, this is something that I'm really interested in. Unfortunately, I did not continue studying psychology, but that was because of uh, very silly reasons because the university did not give you an option of studying the, the the combination of subjects that I wanted to and which is why I feel I think that you kids are so lucky because today there's so much more flexibility in terms of choosing the subjects that you would like to study and and then you know when we moved ahead for me uh, the consumer insights was um, you know best of both worlds kind of a situation where it was a practical you know I did my MBA in, in communications and marketing so that kind of was a practical thing. It would get me a job. It would get me to be financially independent. At the same time, it was consumer insights. And therefore, it was still somewhere keeping me connected with the human element of things. So that's how it was for me. I'm glad it worked out. And I'm very sure that my listeners will keep in mind and implement all that you have said. Thank you so much for coming on my show. You're welcome, Vidant. And I am so happy and thankful for you to have invited me over. Yeah, this was fun. It was for me too. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedant, to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen at leisure on your phone and get notified about future episodes, Subscribe by searching for Curious Vedant wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. And don't forget to rate and leave comments.